the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kindron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune and the Jewish guards, seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid who was the gatekeeper said to Peter, You are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather. In secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. 
Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, At this, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, In order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, that he said indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. My kingdom did belong to this world. My attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I will release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release your king of the Jews? They cried out again. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. The soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, 
Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Golbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus, the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one place from from the top to the bottom. And so they said to one another, in order that the passage of scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clophis, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple There, whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I first. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a spring of hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. 
and bowing his head, he handed over his spirit. Now since it was the preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture pastor might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And another passage says, They will look upon him who they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. And Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloy, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths, along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The other day I was reading a book by a Dominican. It was published in 1947. It was entitled, The Pain of Christ and the Sorrow of God. At the very end of that book, in the last paragraph, he wrote, But God's cross goes on. And slowly, continually, thwarted by our perversity and blindness and evil, it goes continually. And the revelation of love's meaning goes on. Evil produces its ineluctable consequences. And the world is drenched in pain. But at every point in time and space where pain has its kingdom, there also are the tears of God. 
And sooner or later, through those tears, the world is renewed. I mentioned in my homily yesterday that our Lord surrendered himself to us. Surrendered himself to our hatred and much more so to our love. It's amazing that God would surrender himself to the love of his creatures, a love that we would often not return at all and never return enough. We saw that last Sunday in the Passion of St. Luke. Our Lord said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He surrendered himself to his executioners, not only surrendered himself, but asked the Father to forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. He then surrendered himself to the love of a good thief. Not only surrendered himself to that love, but said, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And at the very end, surrendered himself to his father by saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He does that again in today's gospel, the Passion of St. John. He has surrendered everything. He has emptied himself totally. Even his clothing was divided up and cast lots for. Of course, he couldn't be clothed. His clothing localized him. He was no longer a person of one time or place or nation or people. On the cross, he was universalizing himself from the beginning and until the end of time. But now he will also surrender the two people he loves the most, his mother and his best friend. Surrender them and send them away. So he says, woman, once again remember, not mother, but woman, Genesis, the new Eve. Behold your son. He gives her to John and to all of us, by the way. And then to John, behold your mother. He gives him away, too. What's left? But then comes that mysterious word, I thirst. Here again, and in a way you and I cannot imagine, he surrenders himself to our love. For it's that for which he thirsts. The love of each soul from the beginning until the end of time knowing that many will reject him at the end. But he still thirsts for the love of each one of us. He surrenders himself to us and to that love. You and I might have an understanding of what unrequited love is like, but no one can understand his, since no one can perfectly return it anyway. But he still wants it, and he still thirsts for it. And then finally, he concludes it by the final surrender to the Father. Consummatum est. It is finished. But not just finished. That's not the right word. The word in Greek really means it's completed. It's accomplished. He's done everything he came to do. He can now surrender himself to the Father. As I said, that surrender goes on forever. 
His sacrifice is with us to the end of time, but his wounds are eternal. And so is the surrendering of his love to us, eternal. And we see that, of course, in the cross, and as we know perfectly, the Eucharist is the ongoing surrender to us day after day after day. If we are willing to accept that infinite love and give him what little love we can in return. Whatever the case, he wants it all and won't settle for anything less. So today, when we think of his surrender and we look at nature, we might come back to that poem that many of you know, I've mentioned once before, many of you know, by Joseph Mary Plunkett, in which he sees our Lord, and particularly his passion, in all of creation, again, all of nature. It's a beautiful poem that sums up his surrender. I see his blood upon the rose, and in the stars the glory of his eyes. His body gleams amid eternal snows. His tears fall from the skies. I see his face in every flower. The thunder and the singing of the birds are but his voice. And craven by his power, rocks are his written words. All pathways by his feet are worn. His strong heart stirs the ever-beating sea. His crown of thorns entwines with every thorn. His cross is every tree. It's a beautiful way to look at nature, and today I would suggest the only way to look at it. Let us pray, dearly beloved, for the holy church of God, that our God and Lord be pleased to give her peace, to guide her and unite her throughout the whole world, and grant that leaving our life in tranquility and quiet, we may glorify God, the Father Almighty. Let us hear. Almighty ever-living God, who in Christ revealed your glory to all the nations, watch over the works of your mercy, that through that your church spread throughout all the world may persevere with steadfast faith in confessing your name, through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for our most holy Father, Pope Francis, that our God and Lord, who chose him for the order of bishops, may keep him safe and unharmed for the Lord's holy church to govern the holy people of God. Let us see. Almighty and ever-living God, by whose decree all things are founded, look with favor on our prayers, and in your kindness protect the Pope chosen for us, 
that under him, the Christian people, governed by you, their maker, may grow in merit by reason of their faith. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our Bishop Luis Raphael, for all bishops, priests, and deacons of the church, and for the whole of the faithful people. Let us Let us stand. Almighty, ever-living God, by whose spirit the whole body of the Church is sanctified and governed, hear our humble prayer for your ministers, that by the gift of your grace all may serve you faithfully. Through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for our catechumens, that our God and Lord may open wide the ears of their inmost hearts and unlock the gates of his mercy, that having received forgiveness of all their sins through the waters of rebirth, they too may be one with Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us kneel. Almighty, ever-living God, who make your church ever fruitful with new offspring, increase the faith and understandings of our catechumens, that be born in the font of baptism, and they may be added to the number of your adopted children, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our brothers and sisters who believe in Christ, that our God and Lord may be pleased as they live in the truth. To gather them together and keep them in his one church. Let us do. Almighty, ever-living God, who gathered what is scattered and keep together what you have gathered, look kindly on the flock of your Son, that those whom one baptism has consecrated may be joined together by integrity of faith and united in the bond of charity. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for the Jewish people to whom the Lord our God spoke first, that he may grant them advance in love of his name and in faithfulness to his covenant. Let us kneel. 
Almighty ever-living God, who bestowed your promises on Abraham and his descendants, graciously hear the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may attain the fullness of redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those who do not believe in Christ, that enlightened by the Holy Spirit, they too may enter on the way of salvation. Let us hear. Let us stand. Almighty ever living God, grant to those who do not confess Christ, that by walking before you with a sincere heart, they may find the truth, that we ourselves, being constant in mutual love, and striving to understand more fully the mystery of your life, may be made more perfect witnesses to your love in the world. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those who do not acknowledge God that following what is right with our sincerity of heart, they may find the way to God himself. Let us Almighty ever-living God, who created all people to seek you always by desiring you, and by finding you come to rest, grant, we pray, that despite every harmful obstacle, all may recognize the signs of your fatherly love and the witness of the good works done by those who believe in you, and so in gladness confess you, the one true God and Father of our human race, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those in public offerings, that our God and Lord may direct their minds and hearts according to his will, for the true peace and freedom of all. Let us Let us stand. Almighty and ever-living God, in whose hand lies every human heart and the rights of peoples, look with favor, we pray, on those who govern with authority over us, that throughout the whole world the prosperity of peoples, the assurance of peace, Freedom of religion may, through your gift, be made secure, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray, dearly beloved, to God, the Father Almighty, 
that he may cleanse the world of all errors, banish disease, drive out hunger, unlock our prisons, loosen fetters, granting to travelers safety, to pilgrims return, health to the sick, and salvation to the dying. Let us kneel. Almighty ever-living God, comfort of mourners, strength of all who toil, may the prayers of those who cry out to you in any tribulation come before you, that all may rejoice, because in their hour of need, your mercy was at hand, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 